Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unboxed podcast. My name is Reese, and today it is time to talk about the United States and specifically the President of the United States, Joe Biden. Because uh, late last night, well, sort of two, three o'clock this morning, really, uh, Joe Biden uh, delivered an address to a joint session of Congress to mark the 100-day mark in his presidency. Uh, so what was in it? What's he done in his 100 days? And well, how is his presidency being seen? All that to come, and probably a little bit more of a roundup of a few more news stories if we have time in this episode of the Politics Unbox Podcast, US News Review. So, President Joe Biden has gone from being a political extra to the leading man in America. And today, as we approach the 100-day mark of his presidency, in fact today, Thursday, is the 100-day mark of his presidency, it is time for his first address to a joint session of Congress. Uh, so that was overnight, and he has been touting his administration's successes in the first 100 days and uh, on a, a sales mission, really, for his plans for the next 100 days and beyond, well into his first term. Uh, Joe Biden has been president since... January the 20th of this year, alongside his Vice President, Kamala Harris, and makes history today as the first President to speak to a joint session of Congress uh, flanked by two female politicians behind him. Because as customary for a joint session, the presiding officers of the House and the Senate sit behind the President, and for the first time in history we have Kamala Harris, the Vice President, and Nancy Pelosi the Speaker of the House of Representatives. So that is one first. Um, Joe Biden thinks there are probably several firsts that can be said about this speech, and I'm sure I'll get onto them later on. But this speech really is about his plan, and his plan has been said to be ambitious. I'm going to give a broad overview of, of his presidency, his aims and goals, before going into a bit more detail on the speech in just a short while. But uh, everyone sort of had, well, let's be honest, a low bar for Joe Biden. After the razzmatazz and spectacle that was the Trump administration, many people thought that Biden would end up as a transitional president. But now there's a different T word being uh, thrown around in the uh, corridors of power in Washington, D.C., and that word is transformative. Now Joe Biden has said many times uh, that he models some elements of what he's done on sort of a New Deal recovery, sort of promising a new New Deal, not necessarily a green New Deal. And that would suggest that he's taking a bit of political inspiration from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, And, well, if he is, then he's got big shoes to fill. Uh, Indeed, when he sat down with a presidential historian a couple of weeks ago, uh, he turned to him and said, well, I'm no FDR, but... And what comes after that but could be very important. So what's he done in these first 100 days? Because famously, we have this 100-day thing, uh, in part because of FDR, because of his implementation of executive orders and provisions 
to try and enact that new deal within the first 100 days. He got a lot of other things done. So it's become sort of a benchmark for presidential success. So where is Biden at the end of these 100 days? Well, uh, he thinks that America is in a much better position now than they were 100 days ago. And I think a lot of people will agree with him on that fact. Um, again, I say it was a low bar to clear as well because of the previous administration. But Biden says that America is on the move again. So why? Why is America on the move again? Well, you'll hear plenty of slogans. You'll say that Biden will be building back better, uh, calling for once-in-a-generation investment in America. But is America on the move again? Well, let's find out if his policies could be aiming for that. Because his first big effort as a legislating president, president sorry, uh, is the American Rescue Plan, which is a $1.9 trillion spending package to boost economic recovery from the pandemic. Now, it expands economic support for low-income parents through tax credits that have been projected to lift more than 5 million children out of poverty. Um, they are on track, according to Biden, to cut child poverty, poverty in America in half this year. For some reason, I can't say the word poverty. Um, I'm sure it'll pop up everywhere in this podcast now. Uh, but this plan does come with a price tag. Uh, this investment in these schemes comes at, as I said, $1.9 trillion. Uh, and it's not just for the, uh, well, support of expansion of economic support. It's also for maintaining some of the pandemic-era protections that were extended. So there were extensions in uh, protections for workers, um, protections on sick pay, things like that, that were extended during the pandemic, uh, using executive powers, some of them, using emergency powers, some of them. And Biden says, well, as these have been proven to be, A, fundable, and uh, B, potentially quite necessary, then he feels it is the right thing to do to move them forward and to continue them all the way through to about 2025. Uh, and with that $1.9 trillion, you would anticipate that something like this could happen. Um, there is also another plan, this American Jobs Plan, a once-in-a-generation investment in America itself, which is called the largest jobs plan since World War II. Again, linking it back to FDR. Uh, according to the president, he said his plan will create jobs to upgrade infrastructure, modernise roads, bridges, highways, building ports, airports, transit lines, water pipes, electric car charging stations. Now, America's infrastructure is not a glamorous topic. You're never going to hear a politician saying, oh, well, the, the one thing I will do is um, get this infrastructure right. Because by nature, a successful piece of infrastructure is a piece of infrastructure that attracts minimal headlines. Because the headlines that surround infrastructure are generally when something goes wrong. So success in terms of infrastructure is just the absence of failure, essentially. And that's not glamorous. But America's infrastructure has been creaking under the strain of expanding populations. And it does need a bit of an overhaul. Now, Joe Biden, his nickname was Amtrak Joe. Uh, for a long time, because when he was a senator from Delaware, he would uh, go into Washington, D.C. on the Amtrak uh, from Wilmington, Delaware, where he was living. So he has sort of infrastructure linked to his identity in politics. 
So it's no surprise to hear him talk about infrastructure, especially at a time when infrastructure investment could be more important than ever if travelling is to reopen across America. And this infrastructure plan would be a good step in that direction. It also comes with a fairly hefty price tag. Um, This plan, as I said, that upgrades all those forms of infrastructure and replaces 100% of the nation's lead pipes and service lines, uh, ensuring all Americans have access to high-speed internet as well, including about 35% of Americans in rural areas who don't have it, comes with a price tag of $2.3 trillion. So a $1.9 trillion plan and a $2.3 trillion plan. Now those are uh, two of the, the big the big things that uh, the president's been talking about. But he started his speech talking really by looking in the rearview mirrors about the administration that came before. Um, and Joe Biden had a lot to say about the former president. He said that the US had, uh, well, did not have a plan for vaccinations under Trump. Um, and that is, well, if there was a scale of political spin to lie, it's not a lie. But it's not no spin. Uh, there was a plan. There was a plan by the Trump administration. There was a published plan in September, uh, focusing on a strategy to, distrib- to distribute vaccines to states. But uh, there were complaints about lack of funding from federal government, leading to logistical problems at a local level once vaccines had been delivered. There were problems with lack of supply, whether there were enough vaccines, um, or whether the doses alone are enough to fully vaccinate the entire population. Um, But it is undoubtedly true that the vaccination speed has increased since Trump left office. When he left office, there were 16 million Americans vaccinated. Uh, Biden set himself the task of 100 million vaccinations in his first 100 days. He sailed through that and he went about 220 million doses of the coronavirus vaccine administered during the first 100 days. Um, So Joe Biden looking a little bit in the rear view mirrors. Now, this these actions by Biden uh, is definitely in favour of action. Uh, He has said doing nothing is not an option. Uh, With the American Jobs Plan, uh, he is trying to use all of his senatorial connections to get it over the line. With his American Recovery Plan, he's getting his senatorial connections to try and get it over the line. Uh, He's been saying that Vice President Harris and himself have been meeting with Democrats and Republicans to discuss these plans. Uh, But he's said that he will not stand for what's known as stonewalling, which is where there is just no concession from one side, nothing, no budging, nothing like that. And he will face a fair amount of stonewalling. That's safe to be said. But um, there are some who are more willing to work with him, because his message through the campaign was bipartisanship, bipartisanship, bipartisanship. And his first hundred days, on the face of it, haven't been too bipartisan. Uh, 
Um, these plans have been pretty solid votes down Democratic and Republican lines, or many of the votes on legislation he's been putting forward in the House and the Senate have been going down partisan lines. Uh, nominee, nomination votes, they've been going down somewhat partisan lines. Uh, less so with nominations, though. Um, and some people have been calling him out as a, a radical leftist, uh, a socialist who wants to bring a socialist utopia to um, America. It's a, it's a funny choice of of word in a criticism, though, just as an off point, to, to criticise someone for trying to bring about a... Uh, adjective utopia. Whatever adjective you put before utopia, it implies it's a good place. But hey, um, anyway, where was I? Uh, yes, bipartisanship. So Biden has been, on the face of it, not acting very proper in a very bi. Ah, what is it with words for me today? Not acting in a very bipartisan manner. Um. However, that would be misrepresenting the story, I believe. And some within the Republican Party and the Democratic Party have been doing a good job of trying to paint him in that way. Um, Joe Biden has been trying to reach out across the political aisle to people who you would consider his natural Republican allies. Uh, the people down the, the centre of the party, people like Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, people like Susan Collins of Maine. Those senators especially senators, as it's a 50-50 tie in the Senate. They've been trying to reach out. They've been trying to reach out to other senators as well over plans. And Joe Biden even said that he welcomes plans being tabled by Republican senators. Um, but sometimes things just don't move forward. We've seen it before in the Obama-Biden administration on gun control, where there was just concession after concession from the White House but then when it came to votes in the Senate and the House, Republicans just did not give an inch. And Biden doesn't want to see that, especially because he's got ambitious plans coming. Now, I've mentioned several of them. Uh, I actually omitted to mention one of his plans that he has been announcing, a $15 per hour minimum wage. Um, but it has not been known definitively whether Joe Biden would push for a $15 per hour minimum wage. It's been a progressive ideal for many years within the Democratic Party, but last night Joe Biden said, yes, he will push for that $15 per hour minimum wage. Uh, no one working 40 hours a week should still live below the poverty line, says Joe Biden. Uh, on Tuesday... He signed an executive order to raise the minimum wage paid by federal contractors to $15 an hour. And now he is asking for it to be pushed through uh, as federal law. Now, Joe Biden has been facing pushback on these plans somewhat uh, from the Republican Party, who see the over $4 trillion worth of spending as excessive, but also from some within his own party. And this is where... We might see this as this speech as an opening gambit in a negotiation really set out the high watermark so you can negotiate down from there. If you would be happy with a ten dollar per hour minimum wage, you start at a fifteen and sort of meet somewhere in the middle because it's currently seven and a quarter dollars an hour. But because people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who I've mentioned before on this podcast, 
um, are not quite sure. These blue dog Democrats, fiscally conservative Democrats, Joe Manchin going on the record saying, that's a lot of money, uh, I'm uncomfortable with the amount of money being spent. Um, he will need to negotiate hard on some issues. Maybe we'll see what's known as pork barrel politics. Um, called pork barrel politics, I think because of a, just a method of, of trying to get votes, um, literally pork barrels uh, turning up outside in the olden days when you were able to, well, when you had to publicly cast your vote and say who you were voting for, candidates would try and bribe voters with pork barrel. But this pork barrel politics in the 21st century is all about um, local interests being attached to national bills. So if you're a senator from, um, let's go North Dakota, and there is a bill going through that has nothing to do with North Dakota, you might ask, well, if I vote for this bill, which might not be directly on my political allegiances, I want a new factory built in my home state. Um, and they might say yes, and then you get that amendment added, and you vote for it, and the bill passes. That's Port Barrow politics, and I think we can safely say that we will see that at some point during the Biden uh, administration. Um, it would not be too much of a leap, and I think this would be a moment where people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema could use the influence they have in a 50-50 Senate where Biden needs all the Democratic votes he can get and some Republican votes, probably, um, to be really sure of himself. Um, you will see concessions and things being extracted from um, the White House on these issues. And I think that might see this bill over the line, these bills over the line. Whether or not Joe Biden will be as progressive and forward-thinking a Democrat as the Republicans paint him, or maybe not as a forward-thinking, but as progressive and lefty a, a Democrat as Republicans paint him as being, um, I doubt. Especially as, for the first time, really, uh, in modern political history, we're seeing not one opposing speech, but two opposing speeches. Uh, it is tradition for the opposing party to be given an opposition address, um, a televised broadcast, and Tim Scott, Senator from Washington, and not Washington, uh, Senator from South Carolina, will be giving the Republican response to Joe Biden's state um, well, address to Congress. But there is also going to be one from a left-wing progressive, uh, the American Workers' Party, um, which is essentially um, a caucus within the Democratic Party. They are giving an opposition speech. I can't remember who is giving it for them, but clearly um, not all those on the progressive left saying, well, this is, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Now... That is pretty much all that was said in this real return to normalcy um, of a presidential campaign. It's interesting that both the campaigns of 2020 and 1920 included some sort of return to normalcy slogan. Um, just a fun bit of political historical trivia there. Um, not too many groundbreaking announcements from the president. The biggest ones were his legislative announcements and that $15 per hour minimum wage. Um, the real work for Biden starts now to try and get them over the line. He's going to have to twist a few of our, uh, a few arms, um, but well, we'll have to wait and see. The Republicans say um, 
that they will repudiate, repudiate all of Biden's Washington schemes and socialist dreams. But Biden says America is rising now and choosing hope over fear after the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War, that being the Capitol riots. So, in a year with no official State of the Union address, uh, as this officially isn't, it almost should have been, uh, but no official State of the Union address. But, um, yes, in this official speech, not too much to be done, but America is probably on the move again. That is all the time we have for today on the Politics Unbox podcast. Well, I want to thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you all around again soon for the next episode. Uh, until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.